So, all right, let's get this thing started. So today we're talking with Mr. Andrew Hayes, host of the Tackle Talk podcast. Uh, you're also a keynote speaker as far as Columbus Fishing Expo, weren't you? Yeah. So that was a lot of fun too. Something that uh, I'd definitely never done before. <laughs> nice. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about creek fishing, especially for bass. So I guess my first question is you show up to a creek, you know, nothing about it. What's your plan? Yeah. So at least around here, right. I'm going to throw some sort of search bait and in a creek, a search bait looks a whole lot different than we were talking before we started recording, obviously like on big water and things like that. So when you're in a creek, if you're just starting out and you want to find out one, if that creek is viable, like if it's not dead water, if there's actually fish in it, throw something small, throw like a little inline spinner or rooster tail, you know, meps, things like that. Just throw that around and just see if there's anything in there. Um, and the other thing you got to look forward to is a, a spot on that creek that will hold fish. So there will be completely dead spots of a creek. You'll be getting into a creek. You'll, you know, get in at an access road or something. You walk around and be like, yeah, it's like ankle deep. There's, I'm not seeing anything. There's nothing here. There's no depth changes. You basically got to get in and start walking because if that creek is, is ankle deep at some point, there's a pretty good chance. If you walk far enough, there will be a spot where it'll get knee deep. And when it gets knee deep, all the fish will be packed right there. Right. You're looking for these mm -hmm. really small depth changes that to a normal angler will be like, that's nothing. But to a creek angler, you're like, no, there's a big difference between eight inches of water and a foot and a half of water, a foot and a half of water can hold a four pound, you know, small ear or a large mouth where, you know, you just got to get in and start walking. So that's what I always tell people, right? Just grab a old pair of shoes, grab an old pair of shorts, just get in. Don't be afraid to actually get in the water and just walk one way. And I don't know about where you guys are, but around here it's pretty rural. So you know, mm -hmm. if you get in and start walking, very rarely are you going to run into anybody that says anything to you or you're a place mm -hmm. you shouldn't be, right? Even the farmers and stuff. Most of the time, if you're in the water, nobody's going to say anything to you. It's when you get on the bank and start getting, you know, on people's land and stuff that you run into some trouble. But even though technically the law says that they own the, the ground under the water, so if you're touching the ground, you technically are trespassing, but most people are not going to say anything to you as long as you're not being a yahoo. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've encountered that. We have a few creek areas around here. And for the most part, as long as you're just hanging out on the bank, well, uh, nobody really says anything to you. Other yeah. than, you so, know, hey, you catch anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm going to do most of the year. And if it's if it's in the summer or the fall, especially, I'm going to throw top water just because if you're in a shallow creek, it's very hard for that fish to ignore a popper or a spook or a prop mm -hmm. bait or something like that. Just the fact that physically, right, if you've got water that's, this deep like a foot deep and you're a fish that's six inches tall something goes by your head like on on normal water it might take some effort to go up and you know hit top water because you have to come up from three four feet whatever but if you're in a foot deep creek right it's just going mm -hmm. right by its head and it's hard to ignore so that's kind of an easy way to cover water too is you want to throw a big prop bait or an old devil's horse or spook or popper or something that's nothing more fun in the world than just getting in and walking through an ankle deep creek and throwing a popper all day long oh yeah yeah so is it primarily largemouth or smallmouth that you're you're fishing for? So around here, it's basically any moving water is going to be mostly smallmouth and any stagnant water is going to be largemouth. And so that's even true in our rivers a little bit. But for the most part, right, if you're fishing a river or a creek around here, you're going to run into like 95% smallmouth. And then any pond, any lake, anything like that's going to be all largemouth. But every once in a while, you'll find these parts of the river where, again, those largemouth like to sit where there's no current they like those just gross stagnant parts of the river where usually mm -hmm. it's 
carp and that's about it, right? That's where you'll find the largemouth if you get bit on bassors usually is, you know, there's like little weird stretches of the river you can count on there being more largemouth than other parts. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'd rather fish for smallmouth though. I like smallmouth better. <laughs> smallmouth <laughs> put up a better fight. I will say that. <laughs> yeah. They're that they prettier. Don't. They're way more fun. Like you said, you can catch a two pound smallie and it fights like a four pound largemouth. Oh yeah. That's right. That's for sure. <laughs> so before we we're talking, like I primarily grew up on the lake and if you had for say someone made a bet with you and they're like, I want you to catch bass as quickly as possible. Uh, I would probably go to a dock, throw a little Senko plastic worm underneath that. And then that's how I would fish it. How would you go about it in a Creek? What time of year? Cause that's, that's going to be a big difference in a Creek for us is there's two answers you- probably for that. All right. Well, let's go over both answers then. Uh, okay. well, I'm guessing primarily spring, fall or spring, summer. Yes. Yeah, so around here, I would say our cutoff is pretty much from like late May to late October. I'm going to throw a popper. I'm going to throw okay. a popper. And if I can put that, cause I love topwater fishing in general, but I love poppers because they're so versatile. So if you're throwing a prop bait or, you know, a spook or something like that, you're covering a lot of water, but it's a very fast cadence. It's, it's going to take some effort. You're going to chase it down with a popper. You can do that. You can chug that popper. You can walk the popper, but you can also, if you see a lay down, you see that spot that we're talking about where there's that little drop off where those fish should be holding. You can cast it out there and you can meticulously work that strike zone too, where you can kind of coax that fish up and fish a very specific small part of water and just keep that there and just make the littlest sort of pops and it'll kind of pop to the right and then maybe just kind of like stay there a little bit you can almost work a popper in the same spot for you know seven eight nine ten pops so that's why i like a Mm -hmm. popper the rest of the year i'm going to throw a net rig so if it's you know late fall through early spring i'm just going to tie on a little probably one sixteenth to three sixteenth ounce net head with just a little you know half plastic worm on it and it's a cheat Mm -hmm. code in the the winter time around here (laughs) (laughs) it is most places nice yeah yeah i've actually never I've actually never fished a Ned rig. However, I have okay. uh, messed around with um, like Christy Cross with a little weight yeah. at the back. It's kind of like the same basic idea, just just a little different. It's funny, but you say um, Christy Cross. I uh, ar- I mean, around here, most of my buddies throw like Chigger Cross and stuff yep. like that. Yeah, I mess with the Chiggers popular. too. Yeah, yep. but dude, the Christy Cross are so slept on. They're so cheap. They have, they're <laughs> yeah. like a, I don't know. They're like a. Uh, uh, junior version of like a rage craw where just Mm -hmm. they do have that crazy motion they have that flap that you want but they're way more compact they're way cheaper and uh and yeah i think they're slept on a little bit yeah oh yeah i completely agree uh around here i mean say springtime pre-spawn like spawn time you know spawn time obviously you know you're just gonna use the rubber worm put it right on their nest and they're just gonna scoop it up uh i would say once it starts getting to like summertime i'm a huge fan of the lipless crankbaits okay um you know like the rattle traps the cotton cordell that kind of stuff and i can really you know work that really well along we use weed edges a lot because uh you know in the lake pretty much just looking for that weed edge and then just going right along it uh otherwise one cool thing about our lake is we have a bunch of like structure inside of it so you know to look at someone looking at it would be like you know there's nothing there it's just 
open water. But if you actually get underneath the water, you can be like, oh yeah, here's a bunch of pylons. Here's that kind of stuff where the bass like to hang out around. And around that, I'll use a square belt crankbait just because it bounces back. I've hooked so many of those pylons with a, with a lip list. That's just, <laughs> I know automatically if I'm going there, I'm going to turn it, I'm going to tie on a, tie on a crankbait of some sort. Yeah. Once you get over the, the fear and it's a rational fear of throwing a square bill in heavy cover, like that's mm-hmm. what it's for. It's literally what it's yep. made for. I know it goes against like your instincts as an angler to throw a double treble hooked bait that mm-hmm. close to, you know, uh, around here, it would, it would be timber. So like, once you get over the fact that yes, I can throw a square bill into an actual laydown, like not around it, not yeah. you know, uh, off two foot to the right or to the left. Cause I don't want to get it hung out, like throw the darn thing in it. And I think mm-hmm. that's what it's made to do. It's made to deflect off wood and deflect off rocks. And once you get past that, you catch a lot more fish. It's just breaking that mental barrier of you've been, <laughs> yeah. you know, basically trained your whole life. Like this has two treble hooks on it. I probably shouldn't throw it around a tree that looks like this and has, you know, sticks hanging right. out all over the place, but that's what it's, what it's for. Yep. Yeah, it definitely, it bounces off nice. So that, that kind of stuff, if I see any lay down anything, that's what I'll be using is a uh, tie on the square bill and just go for it. So it's funny because it's the opposite here, just in terms of the cover that we have, like we don't have many weed edges, at least in the mm-hmm. lakes that we have, um, the rivers and creeks and stuff too, really. I'm hardly ever fishing weeds. I'm fishing rock and timber and mm-hmm. 90% of the time I'm fishing rock. Like rock is my favorite thing in the world to fish. It's, fairly predictable and different times a year it it's the funnest way to fish too like the same thing around here i would find a big rock point or riprap road or something like that and i would just bang a square bill off that like trying to break the bill off of it almost just that thing dig and bounce and dig and bounce and dig and bounce and then one of those times it's going to bounce and it's just going to stop you're like, okay, here we go. It's on. <laughs> it's the same thing with, you know, football jigs. Football jigs are something that I used to never throw. And I would mm-hmm. just throw flipping jigs all day long. And then once I finally got hip to the big football jigs, like getting over the fact that I'm a Midwest angler. So everything in my brain tells me to downsize all the time to throw light, small lures all the time. Once I got over that and I was like, no dude, throw like a one ounce football jig around and just, <laughs> I basically just bulldoze with it. Like I want it to go down into rocks. I want it to just be, I don't know, like, like clearing away. I want it to hit yeah. every rock. I want it to go deep down and I want to have to like pop it out of rocks and I want to keep <laughs> doing that. And I just want to dredge the bottom. And then eventually what happens is you go to dredge that bottom and it's just thump right it's just it just done. stops it's, done. <laughs> it's over and you were going this way and all of a sudden it says boom stop and it starts going this way and you're like all right this is it's the funnest feeling in the world when you just know that something just bumped a one ounce football jig and is taking it the other way now and you have that half second in your mind where you're like i'm gonna send this fish to the moon like here we go. <laughs> <Boom>. <laughs> so it's what you wake up for in the morning a, a, a hook set on a jig bite is is tough to beat Oh yeah, absolutely. Like on the Sanko worms we used, you know, that we cast underneath the docks, which you'll feel is three little tugs. Every time it's three little tugs. And then as soon as that third one, you know, you just set that hook right into that bass's mouth and it's just, then that's on, you know what I mean? Then we get the fun part of trying to get it out. Like if it's under a boat lift or something, trying to get it out from there. And it's all, it's always a great time. Are you throwing that on I spinning rod most of the time? Most of the time I throw a spinning rod. Uh, yeah. my frog pole is actually a casting rod. It's okay. a good heavy. I was going to say the other thing, 
the other thing it's the funnest thing in the world is when you do set the hook on a a properly loosened spinning reel drag where you just you go to set that hook and you you have the hook set but you also have right just that that feeling is just it's so good it's everything right you have it set perfectly and you just get that five or seven clicks of the of the bail come out and you're like all right this is pretty yeah oh yeah (laughs) yeah it's those little things, little things in life <laughs> that give you joy. It's a, a jig hook set. It's a little bit of drag pulling on a hook set on a spinning reel. And then it's a, it's a topwater bite. That's, that's why you wake up. Oh yeah. Topwater. I've actually never, I never messed around with poppers too much or spooks. My primary uh, topwater bait is the frog. Yeah. I use the frog a lot. And I mean that you just see the bass just come up and hail the whole lure, take it down. And then you got, one of two options that you can fight it in the weeds or try and pop it up over top yeah and have it just go across all the lily pads it's it's that mental gymnastics of not setting the hook immediately when you see the fish take your Mm -hmm. frog too it took me for it every takes everybody forever because you have such anticipation you're working this frog it's you and the frog and that's it in the world and then all of a sudden a fish gulps it and your whole instinct is just to yank and it's like no, Andrew, like settle down, give it like two <laughs> seconds to get the full frog in its mouth. You do. I used to do that. Right. I used to have such a problem with jerking too yeah, fast just, and that you, frog goes flying. And it's like, you, you see the frog get eaten, the craziest blow up. And then you sit there and you go one, two, three, and boom. <laughs> I had to do it out loud for like the first two years. Cause I just had such a hard time of mentally letting that fish eat. It's like, dude, if a fish exerts that much force and that much effort to go up and eat a frog, it's not going to immediately put the most force that it can of anything, go work so hard, eat this frog, and then immediately spit it. Like, it's going to keep it in its mouth. It's going to, you know, rearrange it to make sure that it gets it down there, and then it's going to swim back down. It's like, you do have time to let that fish eat it versus just Mm -hmm. instinct and ripping. So it just, it takes some time to get used to that, or at least it took me some time. Yep. Oh, I agree. I'd have I'm, no patience for that. I just, <laughs> as soon as yeah. I see it. <laughs> it's that's good. You know, yeah. Your heart rate gets up when you see, <laughs> when you see that top water blow up, it's just, you know, your heart starts racing immediately. You're like, oh, yeah, it's man. real easy to say right now, as I'm sitting here and we're sitting here talking that, yeah, I wait three seconds every time, but when you've gone three hours without a bite and then all of a sudden it looks like someone dropped a bowling ball in the water, right on your frog, <laughs> you just, you, your instincts just go, nope, let's go. <laughs> Way easier said than done. <laughs> So you do a little bit of kayak fishing too, right? Yeah. Yeah. How do you like that? Uh, another thing that took some getting used to too, but it's like anything else, especially nowadays. I think I would say the best money that a normal angler could spend would be on a kayak. I think so. Because especially today's day and age where every bank spot is just beat to crap and it's trashed and Facebook has killed every spot that has foot access, known to man, everything's been burned. It's like you have to get away from the crowd. And mm. there's a couple ways to get away from the crowd. One of which is a $60,000 bass boat with $30,000 worth of electronics on it. And that's not feasible for someone like <laughs> me or, or most people. And so, you know, your other option is, all right, spend a couple hundred bucks and get a kayak. All you need is something literally to float you away from the dudes on the bank and get to a different spot that they just can't get to. So yeah, it's, it, it's your key to unlocking like, 90% of water that's unfishable to you if you just fish the bank. Now it takes some work and it takes some planning. And for the first like three or four years that I kayak fished, I did it all by myself. And so it was 
exploring, but it was exploring mm -hmm. in a way that made sure I could get back to where I started. And so you would have to like put in the river somewhere and I would have to kayak upstream and kayaking upstream on my river is I'd rather get gouge my eyes out. Like it's hard. It's <laughs> cr current's crazy. It's not a fun time, but the other option is the one that I learned the hard way, which was, you know, you put in the water, you float downstream for two miles. And you're like, Oh, this is great. I'm having a great time catching fish. And then at some point you look back and like, Oh crap. Like I have to get back three miles that way upstream. I didn't think this through very well. Um, and you know, the first couple of times there was, there were times where it led to me, you know, putting my kayak almost in the woods, praying nobody took it and calling an Uber to take me back to my truck. Cause there was no way I was going to get back to, to where I started. And then you learn, you're like, all right, yeah, I'm going to have to go upstream that way I can always make it back down. And then, you know, you get smart, you get some buddies and you can do floats where you put one truck at the end of the float and you take the truck back up to the front and then you mm -hmm. float down and that's a whole lot more uh, enjoyable. But yeah, it was, it was a blast because I caught so many more fish the year that I finally got a kayak. Cause you have all these spots where you fish in the bank and you look over, you're like, man, if I could just get over there and I could cast yeah, and I could, yeah. I could hit right there. Like it's where they are. And it is, it is where they are. Cause they're not super stupid, right? If there's two spots, like say you're fishing a pond and there's one side of the pond that just you physically can't get to. And there's trees over there and that's great, but everybody has to fish this one side of the pond because it's where people can access. It's like that fish has two options. Either I can live my life over where everybody's bugging me all the time and, you know, running EWG hooks through my mouth every two days and tricking me into thinking that there's food around when there's not and pulling me up on the bank and I can't breathe or I can just go live over by those trees. Like, I think I'll just stay on that side of the, of the pond. I think, I, you know, the, the bass that got to seven pounds in that pond got to seven pounds by being over there, not being by where the bank access is. So it's, you know, it's, uh, it's common sense almost, but yes, once you get a kayak, it's, it's a blast, but you just have to learn how to maneuver. I had to learn how to, it was like starting over again. You have to learn how to cast, you have to learn how to set the hook. You have to learn how to, you know, uh, fight a fish when, you don't have all the leverage anymore, right? Like a, a fish has leverage over you in a kayak where you're on a, on a floating vessel. So that fish can drag you, that fish can take you one way or the other and it's gaining leverage. It's, it's hurting your tension that you have on the line. I've lost a lot of fish at the beginning because I just wasn't keeping enough tension on them because I was used to being able to play them from the bank or from a boat. You can't do that in a kayak. You really have to horse fish a lot of times in a kayak. So yeah, learning curve for sure, but I, I do think it's the best thing that someone can buy if they don't have one. How, how is it landing fish as far as a kayak goes? I bet you that um, has to be a little bit more difficult as well. Yeah, I, I would be lying if I said there weren't like probably 10 fish in the kayak over the course of my life that I still lose sleep over that I 100% would have landed <laughs> if I was on bank. But yeah, it's uh, you have to learn. So one, you get a net, right? You're, if you don't mm -hmm. have a net, you're gonna have a real bad time. You're gonna lose a whole lot of fish and you're gonna curse up a storm. It's not gonna be a, a fun time. But even when you do get a net, right? There's a there's an art to netting your own fish while sitting down in a confined space where you've got this seven foot long rod with line out and you have to get that within, you know, uh, two feet of you. And so you can scoop it with the net. So like, it's, it's tough. And even now I've been doing it for probably six seven years like kayak fishing i still lose fish at that spot right i can mm -hmm. i can set the hook i can fight that fish i can get it to the side of the kayak and i still have fish that i lose at the side of the kayak that are tough but yeah i mean a longer handle net obviously helps 
problem with a longer handle net is it takes up more space in your kayak and right. that's not a, so it's it's a balance there but yeah i mean it's it's definitely um something you got to get used to because there's no perfect way to do it if you watch you know kayak tournaments there's still people that lose them both side just because again you've I'm holding this rod way over here. It's doubled over. It's seven foot long. And I've got this tiny little net that I'm trying to get this five pound fish to do what I want it to and go over here. It's just not working. It's like they have a mind <laughs> of their own though. And the other thing is once they see that net or once they see the kayak, obviously they freak out. It's just like a fish on a boat sometimes where they see right. the boat and they get close to it. And then boom, they're like, nope, didn't like that. <laughs> and yeah. back down. It's the same thing on a kayak, except you have even less leverage. So you get pulled around and you know, it's uh, you're almost at the mercy of the fish, but that's what makes it fun too. There's, the the most fun fish that I've ever caught in my life have been those fish where it's, oh my goodness, like this thing pulled me right, pulled me left, went under my kayak, about broke my rod. I swung it over again. I missed it. It was, you know, the fights are insane, but you, you are going to lose a few more fish, especially at the beginning. Yeah. Kayak Do you fish, you fish from a kayak at all? No, I've never no. actually even tried. It's a I rode in a kayak once. I almost flipped this. So that was that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other misconception. So like there's, there's kayaks that you'll you'll buy just for recreational floating and those kayaks can flip pretty easy like yeah. they're they're made for hydrodynamic they're made for speed they're made for that kind of thing they're not made to stand up in and you know flip a bed and set the hook on a fish and all that kind of stuff it's not what it's made for but with a fishing kayak like an actual fishing kayak the bottom of mine and the bottom of a lot of them are like multi-hull and so they almost work more like a pontoon than they do a kayak. So they don't come to this like crazy V at the bottom. Like you see a canoe do, or like a kayak do those are the ones that can tip. They're like, mine will have like two or three V's that are the same thing. And, and they basically keep you stable. So like on my kayak, I can be in the water and you have to be careful, but I can walk to the front of my kayak and stand on the point, like on the bow. Oh, really? Yeah. And not tip my kayak. You can like, you know, Titanic it if you want. You can <laughs> spread your arms and have Celine Dion playing in the background. Or, you know, you can, there's times where I'll anchor and your kayak turns around and you're not facing the way you want anymore. So I'll just stand on my seat and fish the back way. And so I'll be backwards in the kayak and fish. I can walk to the back and the front. So yeah, fishing kayaks, it's a very, uh, I mean, unless you're, if you're a bigger person, if you're seven foot four and, you know, 350 pounds, it's a big difference than, you know, my little tail that's like five nine and 130 soaking wet but still I mean, <laughs> regular people can do that too it's just you know you have to find your sense of balance you have to have a little bit of of the whereabouts for you the thing that that's crazy is if you fall off that kayak it's because of your bad balance not because the kayak right tipped or flipped yeah so it's just something you got to get used to you gotta get your sea legs i guess about you but yeah it's <laughs> it's tough to flip you have to yeah, be, I think, be trying. <laughs> well, when I come, when I, anytime I go to the, like, go to like Dick's or Cabela's or we have Dunham's down the road, I always look at like the big kayaks that you're talking about. I'm like, you know something? I want that one. I don't want these little dinky things. I want the one yeah. where I can just be comfortable. Hey, it may not go as fast, but Hey, I'm there. Yeah. Well, and I fished out of one of those dinky ones for like two years. Like that was the first one I got because I bought a really cheap one. I was like, I want to make sure I'm going to stick with this. I want to make sure I like right. it. I'm not going to sink a trillion dollars into a kayak if I've never kayak fished before. So I did that. The first kayak that I bought, I think was 300 bucks brand new. And then uh, like two years after that, it, it did me well for like two years, caught a bunch of fish out of it, had a blast. It taught me a lot about kayak, a lot about what I wanted in my next kayak. 
And so then my next kayak was like 500 bucks or whatever, but it was just the Bass Pro version of a fishing kayak. It was like that mm-hmm. SN 10T, um, I think it was like five or 600 bucks. And uh, it was it was good, but it just didn't have the um, quality, I guess, that a lot of the bigger ones do. And I beat the crap out of my gear. So <laughs> it didn't it didn't last too long. But um, And then I got a feel-free lure, which is like a probably a $1,000 kayak, brand new. Um, no pedal drive or anything like that, but just a, a good fishing kayak. That's not some of these fishing kayaks are like three or $4,000. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Four <laughs> grand. Um, so it definitely wasn't that, but uh, I got it used off Facebook marketplace. Some guy bought it and it was the 10 foot version and he was a bigger guy. And he was like, yeah, I took that thing out for one time. He's like, that ain't going to work for me. I was like, all right, well, I'll buy it. I'll buy it from you. <laughs> so I got a good deal on it. And then uh, I'm, I'm, almost ready for my next one i think i'm gonna go pedal drive next there's just so many situations where whether you're fighting the current you're fighting the wind that's like i'm so tired of going on a 10 mile kayak trip and having the wind in my face we were we were out on the river like two weeks ago and we, it was one of those days where you're going downstream on a kind of blown out river so it should be just pushing you downstream the whole way mm-hmm. and we had like 35 mile an hour winds in our face so it was so bad that you, if you sat still it would push you upstream in this flowing river that's how oh, and i was man. like i'm getting a, i'm getting a pedal drive at some point. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those days where you're like i'm gonna go home and do something stupid this was so bad i'm gonna go home and just drop <laughs> two grand on a kayak and i'll regret it tomorrow morning but i'm so <laughs> mad right now <laughs> i'm gonna hate buy a kayak <laughs> huh? Sounds like me when we got a real bad snowstorm, like I think a month and a half, month and a half, two months ago. Immediately that day, I went out truck shopping. Immediately, yeah, and but I didn't yeah. buy one. But <laughs> I tell you, if it no, it was last month because it was if it wasn't Martin Luther King Day and the banks were open, boom, you're gonna buy one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's that hate purchase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like. All right, so we talked before how I'm very green to everything. Yeah. If I'm if I want to start fishing tomorrow, what should I go buy? What should I be looking for? And what what basically what should I start from the be like beginning to like end, like from the idea to going out and to do it? Like what should I do? I would say if you just want to start, like if you if you're not fishing at all and you just want to go out and start fishing, I would say you go get yourself a spinning rod and reel. That's going to be obviously the easiest to fish with. You're not going to want to go get a casting reel or anything yet. Um, get you a spinning reel. Get your spinning rod. You can get a combo for like I don't know 30, 40, 50 bucks. It'll be a good combo. Um, and then I would probably go out with the staples, like things that are more easy to cast. So it'd be more like plug and play kind of things. They would be more uh rooster tails maps you could do little crank baits you could do little swim baits really stuff that you don't have to finesse or have a certain cadence to it would be more of just cast reel have fun because that's that's what's going to get you hooked on fishing and then once you do get hooked on fishing and you figure out how those work then you can dive down the road of jigs and ned rigs and bottom contact baits or spooks or something where it takes some cadence it takes some time to learn how to fish them properly, but start out with something that'll be very easy. So, you know, if it's top water season, go get a whopper plopper and just go out and start casting. Like that's the the easiest way in the world to basically ensure that someone is going to be like, yep, I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to keep fishing. Um, yeah. Other than that, you really don't need a whole lot. Fishing license, obviously ODNR, if you're listening to this, 
yes, buy your fishing license. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, other than that, you you don't need a whole lot, and that's the misconception. When people listen to fishing shows, and we're sitting here talking about all of these, you know, high dollar combos and line choice, and you know, swapping out the hooks on this, and all. like we're getting into the nitty gritty because it's what we love to do. You don't have to do all that. You can just go mm-hmm. out. You can use the tried and true staples. You can go out and you can catch fish, like you were talking about. You could do. Just go get a Senko and just start skipping them or just start casting around docks and you will catch fish. Set it, you know, let it sit there, let it float down, pull it up a little bit, let it float down. That'll be a good intro to like getting into some some baits that actually do require some cadence. But you'll know it, right? When a, a fish hits a wacky rig for the first time, like you'll you'll probably know that what's happening is set the hook and <laughs> it's a blast. But yeah, just start with something that, that's not going to be over your head because if you jump in over your head, you're going to get frustrated. You're not going to stick with it. You're not going to have a good time. So I always tell people though, there's a big difference. If you want to go, I almost don't know if I would consider it fishing, right? To just go grab night crawlers and a bobber. Like that's, it's almost a whole different activity, a whole different sport, a whole different anything than what we're talking about doing. It's like artificial lures versus live bait. Live bait is more of, and I don't want to, to, you know, dump on anybody that loves going out with live bait because that's, you know, that's cool, but it's just not, you couldn't pay me to go out tomorrow and fish with live bait because it's not what I want to do. It would be like, um, uh, yes, it's both fishing, but it would be like, if I really like going to concerts and I like going to rock concerts, I'm not going to want to go to an opera tomorrow, right? Right. Yes, they're both technically concerts, but they're not the same thing to me. Going and watching Metallica and going and watching the you know opera here in Dayton, I'm gonna have a great time at one. I'm gonna absolutely want to you know uh, make my ears stop bleeding on the other one. I, I just want to go home. But they're both concerts. <laughs> same thing with fishing. I don't want to go out with worms, with minnows, fish live bait, and just sit there and watch a bobber. That's not the activity that I want to do. So you know, uh, getting someone started in artificial lure fishing is even if they don't like, you know, going out and bobber fishing or whatever, I don't like it either. That's, it's a totally different sport. And so, yeah, just get, have a gateway in it somehow, get some easy lures, go to a place that's, you know, high percentage, you can go catch some fish, go to like a private pond, if you've got them or something like that. And just kind of, you know, uh, dip your toe in the water a little bit with something that, you know, you'll like, and something that, that you'll have fun doing. Yeah, that's lucky around here. We do have a, um, how many ponds are over at Clay Pond? Two or three? Two. Two, yeah. We have uh, Clay Ponds um, right down the road from us. So it'd be a ni- probably a nice place to start. And I'm probably better going there than like going to the lake and the, our river that goes off the lake and all that. So, yeah. Clay Pond. So like it's a clay bottom or that's the name of the pond? I think it's Clay Bottom, isn't it? Well, what it actually used to be is a, um, it used to be where they got, uh, gravel so it's all 100 percent stock pond but they stock like northern pike and they stock trout and they stock bass and they stock you know like your bluegills your perch like for some reason they just like yeah this is going to be a a great thing we're just going to stock it with everything sweet (laughs) like like i mean one of one of them realistically you can chuck a rock across to the other side oh yeah easily but the problem is it goes so deep that, you know, all like the Northern Pike, all the walleye, all the bass hang out in deep water. And then you have all the, the pan fish that are hanging out up top, you know? So you got to kind of get, um, that's one where I'll use a kayak 
where you actually okay. go out in a kayak or uh, I use a canoe. Sorry, misspoke. There. Okay. I use a canoe. So I'll go out in there and then you just kind of, you know, like I'll rip a lipless or something like that where it gets a little deeper in the water. Uh, try and fish that area. But yeah, there's tons of fish in there. It's just to get to them, you have to kind of go out to like the middle of it. It's a, it's an odd setup is the way that yeah, it's, it's all. That's probably yeah. why I didn't catch any fish there before because <laughs> I always use, because I went, I went there growing up and I think I used like, I remember some bobbers. I remember some live bait mm-hmm. and I, I had no soup. I had supervision, but there was no, it was here, go fish. There was yep. no, I, so that's probably why I just probably gave up on fishing for a while, but we're going, we're coming back. So <laughs> Well, and, and right to, to enjoy something, to want to stick with something, to want to do something for a long time, you have to at least have a little bit of success with it or have a little bit of fun. Fishing, Mm -hmm. unfortunately is one of those things that if you're not having success, if you're not catching fish, especially for a new person, it's not that fun. (laughs) take, Take them somewhere. You at least have to, to start the addiction. And so, you know, the first time that someone gets blown up on a topwater bait hooked. The first time that you get to set the hook on a jig fish hooked like that kind of thing, but you have to have success or else, like I said, I wouldn't have stuck with it. Right. If, if I went fishing five times by myself, didn't know what I was doing, didn't catch anything. I'd be like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. Like I'm going to go do something else. So you <laughs> yeah, almost need somebody yeah. to take you under their wing a little bit and be like, look, I'm going to go take you somewhere, do this. I did this with one of my buddies not too long ago. So one of my buddies was like, Hey man, I want to go fishing with you sometime. I don't think or know if he's ever at least that way of fishing like he's probably done like the bobber thing and stuff before but i don't think he's ever like actually gone out and fished. And i was like i will my my rule with people is like i will take you with me fishing if, if you want to get started in fishing or you want to learn i will take you with me but we're gonna do it right we're not i'm not gonna like coddle you we're gonna get in the water you're gonna put your you know old shoes on and we're gonna get in the gross river over here that's got all the pollution and dead animals and crap <laughs> in it it's like we're gonna get in we're gonna get in you know chest deep we're gonna walk to the spots we need to walk to and we're going to go catch fish. And if, if they say, okay, and they're willing to actually get in the water and walk the two miles, you know, in the water against current and falling and all that kind of stuff. Cool. You know, I'll take you all day long. And so I took one of my buddies from work and I was like, all right, we're going to go. And I, I was like, you will catch, I will put you on a big smallmouth. I was like, I, I, I will. And so he troops it out. He puts his, you know, shoes and shorts and stuff on, gets in the water, walks with me and we get to a spot. And I said, I literally said, I said, stand here here's, here's a rod. Here's the bait you're going to tie on. I put a, I put a plopper on. Cause I was like, it's, I know where this fish, where these fish sit. It's right on this current break. So I was like, all you have to do is cast. And I, I literally pointed, I was like, I casted once and didn't actually work my lure, but I was like right there. That's where you need to land right there. And then just reel. And that wobble plopper will start throwing water and you'll get smashed. I was like, I don't know if it'd be first cast, but you're going to catch a fish right there. So just hold on. And very first cast, he puts it up and it, it lands almost right where I told him to land. So kudos to him. He had a good cast on it. And <laughs> he starts reeling and wham. I mean, just giant fish. I didn't think, it, I, this is one where I was a little salty because I was like, a, how does that guy catch a giant fish? on the very first <laughs> And he, he reels in it and it was like a 20 inch smallmouth. And I was nice. like, nice. oh my goodness. But that kind of thing, right? And now that guy's hooked. That guy is ruined for life. <laughs> and he's going to be fishing for the rest of his life because you got that experience of 
a, a violent smallmouth topwater strike and a big 20 inch, beautiful striped up smallmouth that he'll never forget. And so like you have mm-hmm. to start the addiction. You have to have something like that. It's the same thing with, uh, it's not in here anymore because we moved, but there used to be a big fish behind me uh, in my old house. And it's a six pound large mouth. And it was the first big fish that I caught that lit that spark where mm-hmm. I was by myself. I was crappie fishing with a little, you know, ultralight pole and a rooster tail. And this big six pound bass just absolutely annihilates it. I have to fight it for like two or three minutes because, you know, I'm using a crappie rod. And uh, I finally get it in and I look at that fish and I was just like, oh, I, I was speechless. I don't know if this fish is five pounds or 10 pounds. I got no frame of reference for a fish that big at all. <laughs> all I knew, and I was an idiot. And all I knew was like, I'm getting this mounted. And so I literally, yeah. and it was, it was public water and you know, you're allowed to take the fish. And so I took that fish. I still regret it to this day, but I took that fish and I literally just walked right back to my truck. I put it on the floorboard and I drove home <laughs> and I was like, I just again, speechless in all, have no idea what just happened. Biggest fish I've ever seen at that time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, What's funny is like I get back to my apartment and I don't know what to do with this fish. I have to Google like how to preserve a fish for taxidermy. And so while I'm doing that, I'm an idiot and I'm just panicking. So I filled the bathtub with water and I put this fish in the bathtub and I, I swear to you. So this fish was out of the water for 20 minutes. This fish is should be dead as a doornail. This fish is, you know, there should be nothing left of this fish. I put that fish in my bathtub. I come back like five minutes later, that fish is swimming around. and so i was like well now i don't have a fish for taxidermy i have a pet six pound bass in my like this this didn't go how i was supposed to and so i have a fish swimming around in my bathtub my girlfriend at the time comes home she is so mad like she's just over the moon mad why is i was like because i'm getting a mountain but i didn't know what to do so i just put it in there for a second and it came back to life i have no idea what's going on so and so I finally look it up and obviously you, you know, you have to let that fish die and then you have to wrap it in a wet, I think it was a wet towel and put it in the freezer and then you take it or whatever. But I have that fish mounted and I still regret it because I killed that fish and that fish should still be producing in that body of water that I took it from. And I wish its genes were still in there, but it was the fish that started my addiction. And mm-hmm. it's the fish that made me learn a whole lot about fishing. It made me a better angler because now I know about conservation. I would have never known any of this had I not given, you know, dove down the fishing rabbit hole and so unfortunately one fish uh sacrificed its life to make sure that i am a better person for it and i'm, I'm a better angler and i know what i'm doing now but yeah I, I keep that fish now it's not the biggest fish i've ever caught in my life but at that time it was and i keep that fish usually wherever i'm still you know getting everything settled here but um i keep it because it's, it's a reminder of that it's a reminder of the excitement that that fish brought to me which was very important that it lit the spark that now I have this obsession over and I, you know, this, my podcast, none of that would, would exist if it weren't for that fish. And then it also has made me, you know, how many thousands and thousands of fish have I released because of that fish? And so it's, it's kind of a cool little, like, you know, I, I kick myself every time I look at it, but it's also a good thing. But, uh, yeah, it was, I I had a, uh, that fish swimming around in my bathtub for like two hours so there's a little funny part of that story too and then i was then you're sitting there you're like this fish is alive how do i kill it to put it in my freezer right like what i just leave it outside and let it (laughs) it's already shown that it can make it 25 minutes without water i was like i don't know what to do here and so you know i had to bonk it on that i had to 
you know, do what you do, right? I had to bonk it on the head and put it yeah. out. And I was like, Jesus, yeah. this backfired completely. This is not what <laughs> I wanted to do. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's uh it's something I'm not proud of, but I think it's got a good story and it it definitely made me a better angler because of it. God, but everybody's gotta come... have that moment, or else you're not gonna yeah. stick with this for 30 years. I actually have one fish mounted. It's a uh, walleye, 28 inch. It was like 13 and a half pounds. So it's a so good size. Fat. Very oh, fat. It's, it's a good size walleye. Yeah. And um, that one, I mean, just like you, I actually, the funny story with that one, it's, it didn't survive in my bathtub or anything. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm in this canal and I end up hooking it. And of course, I don't have a net. I wasn't expecting to catch like anything this size. You know what I mean? Right. And so I look at it and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get this up, but I, I have its head kind of poking up with the lure in it. And I was like, I got to get this out of the water. So I reach into the walleye's mouth and pull it up. And, you know, my thumb's all cut up at that point because of all its teeth and everything. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, you know, I bring it back, bring it back home. And uh, I had to bonk it on the head because that, it was still snapping at me after probably... Yeah. <laughs> like it was probably it was a good amount of time where it should have been it should have been right. dead but this thing's still you know you can hear its jaws just clamping down so you gotta not you know knock it out wrap it all up and everything so that's actually the only fish mount that i have and that's to this day it's one of the the one it's the biggest wall i have ever caught that's for sure yeah that's a i mean 13 pounds because the the thing around here so we have what we call saw guy which yep. are they're ha they're half sog sauger and half walleye and they're bred by the ODNR and they're released and you know they're they get so like the sauger part of them the half of their genetics a sauger is very small and then a walleye is obviously gets this you know can get the size that you're talking about and so what you have is you have this stunted fish that's meaner than snot because it's got that sauger just the big teeth the dark markings the fast just mean river fish and then you've got the it can get a little bit of the girth of a walleye but i mean they realistically around here probably top out at 20 i don't know 23 24 inches like for a big one um mm -hmm. but every once in a while you'll get these ones that'll spill out of our lakes through the spillways or whatever and they'll make it to a part of the river where they're untouched and if that fish that fit those fish will live in a hole for like 10 years like they just won't move. The, the rivers will flood. They'll do everything. That fish will stay right there. And the uh, the cool part about it is if they get back in these remote places with a big food source, like even the saw guy, which physically cannot get as big as a walleye, can get massive. Like they can mm -hmm. get, I've seen ones that were, you know, pictures of ones that get up to like 10 pounds. And that is like a 28-ish a inch fish that looks like it has a, a bowling ball in its belly. Yeah. And yeah. like they're, they're super cool. But the biggest one that I've caught around here is 26 and a half inches and same thing, right? I caught that fish in a part of the river, biggest saw guy I've ever seen and biggest one we've seen around here in, in quite a while and then let it go. And then like four weeks later, I caught that exact same fish, like within a quarter mile of where I left it go. And so it's, it's the cool part, right? So it's, it's the catch and release part of mm -hmm. the equation that we talk about where that fish, those fish don't get 26 and a half, 27 inches because they're made to be harvested and, and eaten. They're sterile fish. Right. So they don't reproduce either. And so, you know, th they're meant to be taken out, but you can't get to 27 inches if you get eaten when you're 17. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, every once in a while, it's nice. The, the funniest thing that ever happened to me last year, I caught a big, like 25, 26 inch saw guy. And it was, again, one of them ones looked like a, 
belt, bowling ball in its belly, just big, fat, awesome fish, colored up, beautiful. I caught it at a spillway around probably 10 other anglers, and those anglers were meat hunting. So they were there, and they were keeping shorts and anything that swims. They were putting on a stringer and putting beside them. And I just, we walk right up. I start throwing a big Smithwick around, just start ripping a jerk bait, and all of a sudden just get smoked. And I pull this fish in. It's probably... I don't know, six, seven pounds. I guess big saw guy and Mm -hmm. took a couple pictures. And then I literally like looked the guy right beside me. That guy beside me is looking at me like that's the biggest fish I've ever seen here. Holy moly. And I looked him right in the eyes and let it go. Right. (laughs) Eyes locked and just let it swim away. And he looked at me like you would have thought I just killed a puppy dog. (laughs) He could not believe it. He was just like, it was an abomination brain blows up. Like, you let that fish go. What are you doing? And I was like, yeah, it's right out in front of you. Catch it. Like yeah, somewhere, it's somewhere right somewhere there. Back. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. It's just the funniest thing in the world though. Cause I, I mean, I, I can go to, to Walmart and guess like, I don't need these fish to eat to, and some people do. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with keeping mm-hmm. fish to feed your family keeping fish because you like to keep fish. Fantastic. Right. The more there's a reason for bag limits, catch those fish all you want. If you're legally keeping them and eating them. Fantastic. That's cool. But it is it is sort of funny every once in a while with just as a catch and release guy because i don't you know i i deer hunt too so i know you were talking about yeah. that earlier it's like i got plenty of meat at home i'm good i don't need that fish but just the the sheer shock on some people's faces of like wait a second you can you can let those fish yeah you can let those you didn't know that you can let fish go it's really weird <laughs> you don't have to keep every single one <laughs> See, that's a, I mean, with walleye, I'll keep a walleye. Well, yeah, if, well, uh, you it's know. the same thing. That's a harvestable fish. Yeah. Yeah. The, thing, I'll that, keep a the walleye. thing that makes me want to throw up is when you see these guys on the river and they're keeping like stringers of smallmouth. I just, I just want to like cry. I'm like, nope. there's one, there's so many better fish to eat around here, right? Go, go catch saw guy, go catch crappie, go catch whatever mm. perch, right? There, there's so many better eating fish, but also yeah. like it takes so long for that fish to get as big as it did like smallmouth don't grow very fast and so if no. you have an 18 inch smallmouth that fish is probably 10 years old and and it's like you're gonna keep it and make half a sandwich out of it like is that worth it it's like no go yeah. go catch go catch a fish that is a different species that will taste better that will give you more meat that's easier to catch that doesn't take as long to grow and we're all happy but it's like yeah every once in a while you'll be on the river and you'll see somebody with like a stringer of 18 inch smallmouth i just want to throw up you know best always throw throw bass back no matter what like i'm not i'm not interested in the walleye for sure i'll definitely keep walleye or crappy and you know if it's a decent sized perch i'll I'll keep a perch oh yeah but uh you what's know, your favorite fish to eat well a walleye for sure really yeah see i think if if cleaning them is not a factor i love crappie I absolutely yeah. love crappie, but if I have to, I hate having to, to clean 30 crappie to, you know, make a, a meal for a couple of people. Perch is the same way. Yeah. Have you, perch is the same way. Cause you know, you're talking, you know, a, a good size perch is 10 inches. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anything over 10 inches, you're like, wow, this is a fantastic. So even just to sit there and fillet all them up, it's like, you need I don't know, 10, 15 in order to actually have a good meal out of it. <laughs> yeah. And then when you fillet up a, a walleye or something, you're like, holy moly, there's like a, a freaking steak worth of meat on this thing on one fillet. It's like, this is like thick, two dinners. Huge. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> it's two dinners right here. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's just it, too. Yeah. See, I go, I go for the um, salmon in the freezer section. 
at um, Walmart. I mean, I just I will say, that. yeah, <laughs> I love salmon a lot. Like, I wish I lived somewhere where I could go catch and cook salmon. There's a guy at work um, where I work. He goes up to um, Lake Ontario and and gets okay. salmon. And I'm like, yeah. hey, I mean, and one time he brought in, it was smoked. It was the best fish I've ever eaten. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. He brought it to, he brought it into work. Another guy took it home with him, smoked it, brought it back the next day. Best fish I've ever eaten. Like. Okay. So you guys are hunters too, right? Are both of you hunters or? I'm just me. Yeah. Well, see, it's just another one. green area. So yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to be one at some point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got point. him out there one time this past year. Okay. Um, so would you rather eat walleye or venison? Oh my God. Ooh. I, I, wow. That's tough. Uh, That's even a tough question for me. I've had yeah. both <laughs> venison. I like that because it's so versatile, you can do so much with it. You know what I mean? Like each different like, you know, the tenderloin has its own use. The back straps have its own use. The, the legs, yeah. steak, you know, ground it up. You can do so much more with venison. Yeah. But, man, I, I do. I, I love the walleye. <laughs> but like I said, it's one of those things. It's just there's so much you can do with the venison. So I'd have to go with venison. Yeah. yeah. That's probably where I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question about fishing. It's more or less. Yeah. It's more or less a lure that no one yeah. is not fond of. Have you heard of the suicide duck? Yes. How do you feel about the suicide duck? He hates it. I just love for what it looks like. I don't know what to use it for, but what, what do you like? What, what do you feel about that? Yep. I will be extremely blunt is that it's yep. to a, to a fish. It just looks like a frog. It's <laughs> a, a fish, a fish looks at that and sees floating you know about this big a couple appendages mm. offside like i think it just sees frog and then on the yeah. top side is where the the duck you know shape is if a fish is below that all it sees is the belly of whatever you're throwing so like it can't see that it's a duck on the top it could be it could be a walrus on the top a bright pink walrus and it doesn't matter because all that fish can see is its belly and its bottom and so the, if you look at the bottom of a suicide duck it looks very similar to what a topwater frog looks like so i just think that yeah, that fish just thinks it's a it's a frog. Like it has no idea that it's a duck. Yeah, like it's it's fish the exact same way as a hollow body frog. I I can't stand that lure. I think that's the dumbest lure, dumbest it's a, design. It's just a gimmick. Yeah, yeah. Like like if anything, it'd be better if it was like the hollow body frog because then you know when the fish comes and attacks it from the back, then at least it has the two hooks. But no, it has a stupid treble hook at the bottom of it. Yeah. So you can't like, even fish it in like lily pads or oh, anything. Oh, that's like that. right. I forgot that this had a treble on it. I was thinking yeah. of the uh, Weston makes one. It's called like Danny the Duck or something. It's the same. It's oh, just yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, got the, it's got the two hooks like a like an actual frog. Oh, you're talking mm-hmm. about the, the like, what is it? Savage Gear or someone that makes yeah. you know, Savage Gear treble on it? Yelp. Yeah. Dumbest lure of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Because the whole point of a lure like that is to throw up in weeds, is to yeah. throw is to throw around cover and basically have it scoot across top and the fish thinks it's frog and goes up and eat it. You can't scoot a treble hooked bait around weeds or you're going to have a really bad time. And you're not going to have the hook penetration and the big enough hooks to keep that fish hooked through cover and through weeds. So basically the only thing you can do with this is throw it on open water. And there's way better choices on open water than a, uh, a dog toy looking duck. <laughs> now, again, for the billionth time though, not to say the bass won't eat it. Of course, bass will eat it. They're opportunistic feeders. They eat ducks. They, they, I've seen mm-hmm. 
bass eat baby ducks before. I've seen fish eat baby ducks. So I know they eat baby ducks, but there's just the, the rational part of me says, if you're going to throw top water and open water, there's way better choices than something from PetSmart. I listen, I had to sneak it in when you were gone. I'm like, that's the only time you got <laughs> up and left. I, that's the only time I had. Cannot stand this lure. Like I've been telling it's pretty much since the whole beginning. I'm like, this is yeah. the dumbest lure that I think that I've ever seen. I've and been on it since then on it. <laughs> the fact that they make even more like the dragonfly lure, they make the spiders, they make like now they have a snake out there or the prop turtle. Yeah. Like, so that's, that's Lunker hunt in a nutshell. Lunker hunt. The company is out there to make like the most yeah. ridiculous headline grabbing. They're the clickbait of, of lures. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. They're, they're sitting there going, what weird thing can we turn into a topwater lure next to dragonfly? Sure. Let's do it. Let's do a, a spider. They did the spider like two years ago. You yeah. know, all these things, they're just, they, they fish the exact same as a, as a frog. It's like, it's, I mean, it's not go- there's never going to be a time where you're going to watch like a professional fishing tournament they're like yeah the pattern today was dragonflies no <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. yeah like there are lures that catch fish and there are lures that catch fishermen all right those are a hundred percent the ones that catch fishermen yeah I'm caught- and again not not to say you can't catch fish on them but they're 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 not like the key to having a good day that day they're just like a novelty yeah you're never gonna be like, man, I was slaying them on that spider today. Like, <laughs> yeah, they were, listen, them fish, they didn't want bait fish, they didn't want craws, they didn't want frogs, they wanted spiders. But somebody's making a bunch of money off of it, so kudos to them. We can sit here and laugh all, all we want in our bedrooms, but you know, right. making exactly. dollars off of a <laughs> of spider lure. Oh, yeah, they're rolling yeah, they're, they're like ha someone yeah. bought it i don't care if they used it or not <laughs> that's one of those ones that you buy and then it just sits in the tackle box for the <laughs> rest of its life and yeah well it's one of those ones that like some people buy at the beginning because it came out and it's new and it's weird and it's quirky and okay yeah let's try and catch fish on this and then it's the thing that ends up in the bargain bin for five years until they <laughs> yeah. run out of it like you go to field and stream or you go to cabela's or something this is the thing it's marked down it's like you know, uh, buy one, get three free, like just take these stupid, <laughs> yeah. take, take these stupid, like when the double whopper plopper came out, it was the same thing where they had oh, yeah. double turbine whopper plopper and they're like, Oh, this is awesome. And then that now they're still in bargain bins, like, or they'll end up in your, you know, mystery mega lucky tackle box subscription that you get, you know, every every month like that's where that stuff ends up unfortunately like because of a slow death <laughs> yeah yeah just trying to phase them out get rid of all the stock yeah <laughs> yeah unfortunately <laughs> but yeah i mean if if you don't have anything else um what where can we where can people we're going to give you a shout out for i mean taking the time talking with us i mean thank you again yeah oh yeah thank you and it's great having yeah, you thanks for having me yeah. Um, so where can we, where can people find your podcast? Do you have any social media, YouTube? Like what, what, what do you got for us? Yep. So we're super easy. If you just go to tackletalkpodcast.com, you're good, right? There's a link on there to uh, listen. So like we're on all podcast platforms. So Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Google, you know, Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts. But yeah, if you go to the website, you'll see link to listen on your favorite, you know, uh, platform. We're also, I don't do YouTube, but basically over the past couple of weeks, what I've realized is at some point and with podcasts, like if you put out enough episodes, 
ones will start and it takes a while, but it, it'll be like 300 or 500 or something like that, that Apple podcasts will keep on Apple podcasts. And then slowly you'll lose the first ones and it'll just start backfilling. And so, you know, if you have, if your limit is like 500, once you hit episode 501, episode one disappears. And then oh. once you hit 502, episode two disappears. And so I've started to kind of archive at least a few of my favorite episodes. And so I'm starting to put those on YouTube, just mm -hmm. the audio, at least so they, they can stay there forever. But, you know, like our episodes with Bill Dance or Mike Iaconelli or, you know, Rick Clon or someone like that. Like I want that to to still be out there for folks to listen to. Right. So I'm starting to put them on YouTube, but I don't really do a whole lot on YouTube. It's mostly on your podcast platforms or just tackletalk.com, tackletalkpodcast.com. All right. Nice. Any, any social medias or anything yep. or just Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram? Yeah. So if, so if you want to check out like the, um, on, on the show, I don't really talk about the fish I catch or things like that. It's more of just tips and tricks and stuff like that. But if you do yeah care and want to see the fish you know that i'm catching and stuff it's haze fishing it's h-a-z-e fishing on instagram it's where i post i basically use it as like a photo log for myself but yeah it's where all my my fish catches and stuff go so yeah if, if you want to actually see fish pictures that's your place to go versus <laughs> the website <laughs> yeah well that's awesome like you said well thank you for talking with us and um yeah it's great yeah. to have you it's look forward to i was um at work all this week listening to what you've you know interviews i listened to your your Thank vocab you. one you just came out with your I, <laughs> I i had to keep up so i told him the number one you have to listen to is the one bill dance yeah. you have Dude, to listen was, to that one it's my favorite one we've ever done because <laughs> of because of nostalgia right like everybody oh, yeah. grew up watching bill dance on saturday mornings like half the people that don't even fish grew up watching bill dance on saturday mornings and so that was a a dream come true is get the chance to hear his old stories. And I was a kid in a candy store. If, if I had a, a, you know, a camera on me, like I'm just cheesing the entire time. I was, I was <laughs> loving it, but he's, he's one of those guys that is, that is as nice, maybe nicer off camera than he is on camera. And that's the thing you're always worried about, right? All these guys that seem like they're super nice and bigger yeah. than life. It's like, what if I meet him? What if they're just a, a big jerk? Like, what if they're right. not what I, what I pictured and like Bill is, cameras off cameras on whatever he is the most genuine nice sincere like cares about you cares about what you have to say no fake anything like he's he's one of the nicest guys i've ever had the pleasure of talking with so that was kind of nice too to get that reassurance of like oh he is you know he's he's the ambassador for our sport for a reason like he's he's right. as good as they come yeah yeah no that's awesome like i said thank you and um but yeah, like I said, thank you. And um, yeah, I hope you have still have your success going and keep it up. You, it's thank something you. for us for to look me. forward to. Nice goal. So we'll be. Well, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for being that. We will. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Cool. Hey guys. Thanks for listening. Keep up to date with us during the week and also between episodes by following our Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok page.